Psalm number 47. Psalm number 47. Let's stand together for the reading of the word. In fact, uh, why don't you read this verse with me? Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with a joyful praise. Let's read that again so you kind of get it. Come, everyone, clap your hands with joyful praise. Amen. Wow. So, Father, your word is our owner's manual. And we need to live our lives appropriately as you have outlined it in your scripture. So, Holy Spirit, reveal truth to us. Make it uncomplicated so that as we stand in your presence, we we understand what your expectations are. Thank you for always causing us to triumph. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. This message is golden because it's Christianity 101. Pretty simple. Now, there's several times in the New Testament when Jesus said, Again, I say to you. Again, I say to you. Why? Why was he repeating himself? Because of a tendency in human nature to not focus on the truth that he's revealing to us. Now, there are passages in truth in Scripture that bear repeating. And we have to learn and relearn the lessons and be reminded of fundamentals because we have a tendency to switch on autopilot and not pay attention to important principles. When you pastor a church for over two decades, you'll see patterns and needs, and there are matters that need repeating. So if some of you are saying today, pastor is saying, again, I say unto you. If you're hearing pastor say to you, again, I say unto you, you must not have gotten it the first time. (laughs) So my job description can be summarized in two words. Obey God. So I'm the incoming text message man for this service this morning. (laughs) I recall when I did a word study on the word enthusiasm. How important enthusiasm is. People you sit next to will rub off on you. They will either kickstart you or kill your battery. So take a peek at them and figure out who you're seated next to, okay? Enthusiasm. Say enthusiasm. The Greek word for God is theos. We get our word enthusiasm from that. It actually is entheos. It means God in us. Entheos. So true enthusiasm is God-based. Jesus-based. True enthusiasm, you speak of God, you have relationship, you have connectivity with Him, you have this passion about Him, and you are enthusiastic concerning God. God in us. In Christianity, we're facing a post-Christian America. That's not the optimal situation for the church. Every day we watch those rights and privileges and those standards that our nation was founded upon 
of being attacked, if not eroded. And for those who are followers of Jesus, that remnant, we must revisit our fundamentals. Because people call themselves Christians, but don't abide by the principles of God's Word. Just as this is an off-season for the NFL, yet football teams are reassembling, they're getting back in condition, they're healing their wounds, they've had off-season surgeries, they're making certain all the fundamentals are in place, so when the season reopens, they're all ready for action. We too must regroup and prepare for a new season. We're in a battle. It's a heated one. And there are people who are fans of football, baseball, basketball, multiple other sporting events. And what makes them fans? Why are they enthusiastic about a certain sport or loyal to a certain team? What motivates them? What moves them? What are characteristics of those who are more than just spectators? There are some fair-weather fans. They kind of fluctuate. I am not a fan of Jesus up and down. I am a follower of Jesus. And some people are concerned with the development of leadership within the body of Christ, and that's well and good. But you cannot be a leader until you have first learned to be a follower and a disciple. When Jesus began to assemble his disciples, his command to them was, follow me. And the word understands, I will make you become fishers of men. That means a progressive discipling process that's ongoing, that never stops. And decades later, after I heard the voice of the Lord as a boy say to me, follow me, I am still a follower, and he is still my leader, and I will always be a follower, always, because that's what he calls us to become, followers. Now, it's an interesting proposition in the book of Revelation, where Jesus talks about the 144,000, and he He begins to delineate who they are. And the first thing he says about them is, they follow the Lamb wheresoever he goes. They are followers of Jesus. Wow. They've been redeemed from mankind. And then thirdly, in their mouth was no lie found, for they are blameless. And we're facing in this post-Christian era in America a hotly debated issue, the inerrancy of Scripture. Well-meaning but misguided, highly popular Christian musicians have suggested that the Scripture is irrelevant, even though they're Christian artists, to the important issues of morality, that Christianity needs to be reinterpreted in light of contemporary life. And because they're well-known, their statements have become viral, and has done great damage to a lot of young followers of their, quote, ministry. Hundreds of thousands of young people and adults buy into the unfortunate mistruth that takes them one more step in the downward spiral away from the truth and away from victorious Christian living. 
Who is the father of lies? Who's the progenitor of that kind of deception? Who was it who brought the first issue of deception into the Garden of Eden? Hmm. Because Satan is the father of lies. Lying is his native language. So the 144,000 are the battle-tested children of God. They're tested by the enemy. They have found their triumph in Jesus Christ, and they have refused to bite the apple of the enemy's lies. They're more than just fans. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They're all in. They're all in. They want to be on the field when the bell rings. So who are these followers? Number one, followers and fans, you ready? Arrive early. (laughs) That just puts some of you at a disadvantage. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about fans of a pigskin pumped up with air. I'm speaking of followers, disciples of the one who bled, died, and rose again for you and me. One of the major characteristics of a true follower, making them more than a fan, not one who shows up once in a while, not one who just periodically makes it to church, but a true follower arrives early. They're tailgaters. They arrive early because they are enthusiastic. Real fans don't just show up in the third quarter. They come early. Fans don't wait until halftime when the worship is over and they just come in for the preaching. Remember this. Preaching ministers to you. Worship, on the other hand, is all about God. Worship is the only part of the service where God is the entire focus. I just don't get much out of it. Worship isn't for you. It's for him. We gather for the Lord. So... The word says we are to clap our hands and lift our voices to God. You aren't doing that for me or Pastor Michael. We don't need it. It's all for him. Followers arrive early, and they don't care what time they get home. They love it when it goes into extra innings. They love an overtime game. They don't run for the door at the altar call. They don't run for the parking lot to beat the Baptists to hometown buffet. True followers remain into overtime on the edge of their seats, saying, this is the best part. They possess the spirit of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, he didn't wait to get there to be happy or glad. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to Calvary Christian Center today. But some people fuss and fight on their way to church. They'll see somebody in the parking lot that's bugged them a little bit, and then that guy gets on my nerves. Uh, or uh, That one is a complainer, and I don't want to walk near him. And then there are the greeters over there. I have to shake their hands. Hazel, give me some sanitizer, please. So, so, some, something's going wrong in that person's spirit. They're not glad, okay? Listen to me. You're going to spend all of eternity with all of us. Do you think God's going to have your mansion isolated? You're going to have a gated community where the rest of us can't get in? No. I might just come over and see you every day. How about that? Here, David, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Wow. Have you given him all that is within you in this service? The enthusiasm doesn't just belong at a ball game. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your biggest thrill, your biggest smile, your loudest expression. I love sports. I participated in three. Enjoyed all of them. Learned some great lessons. When I was a left side linebacker, I missed a tackle and a guy scored. I got benched. The next time I got put in and the guy came at me, I crunched him. I didn't get benched. I love that. It's great contact sport. But my best enthusiasm doesn't belong out there. It belongs in here. We are singing about our Lord and our Savior and the one who redeemed us. And we should be expressive and enthusiastic about that. Number two, followers and fans endure any kind of weather. Years ago, an NFL championship was played between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. They played at Lambeau Field on the frozen tundra. Stadium was packed. People endured below zero weather for over three hours to watch those two teams compete. But today we've got some fair weather followers. They're probably just fans, Christians. If they awaken to one drop of water falling from the sky, they become average. It's that voice in your head making sure you sleep through that yoga class, convincing you that one donut hole couldn't possibly lead to another. Average. Average blames the camera for those extra 10 pounds and sets the treadmill on mosey or stroll or loiter. Need an excuse? Average has them all. Skip the gym. It'll probably be too crowded anyway. Average. Yeah, take it easy, dear fella. Average has memory issues. I forgot to work out. I forgot to work out. And memory issues. Work out. It's crowning achievement. Everyone gets a trophy. Average is good. Average is good. No. Average is average. You can beat it. You can beat it. If you're going to a ball game, you have the ticket, and the weather gets a little inclement, you're going to go, you'll grab your jacket, you'll grab your cap, you'll grab your silly outfit, and you'll sit there letting it pour all over you. We provide air conditioning, padded seats, no snow, no heat, no cold, sometimes water dripping because we need a new church. But the best environment we can offer you, we give you. But Christians who are not followers are always looking for a reason. Let's don't go today. Followers endure any kind of weather. Some Christians are like old wells. They freeze up in the winter and they dry up in the summer. I'm going to tell you now, it's going to get better. So fasten your seatbelts. We are in turbulent weather now, okay? Ask someone, can you give thanks in the cold? Ask somebody. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. Bless your heart. We'll get right sooner or later, okay? We should praise and worship in all kinds of weather. If you clapped your hands a little more, you might warm up. Now, there's a word for somebody. 
If I sat like the first church of frigid air, I'd be cold too. Move. Man, I'm sweating up here for every service. If you're seated next to someone who looks like rigor mortis is set in, nudge them. If you're at a ball game, you'd move. When California Chrome runs next week, you're going to get excited. Number three, fans and followers want the best seat in the house. And here's when you know you're in a church with people in need of retaking Christianity 101. If you have to arrive late to get the front row seat. Where everybody sits about three rows back. Yeah, maybe we ought to seat latecomers all the way down in the front row. Because the hungry should want the best seat in the house. Right? If it's baseball, you want to get behind home plate. If it's football, you want 50-yard line seats. You want a good vantage point. They want to be near where the golfer is teeing off. They want to see and experience all of it. The fan wants to be as close to the action as possible. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. Get all in. Get off the bank. Get into the water. Be a player. Number four, followers, fans never miss a game. They're always there. I hope you're taking notes because this is Christianity 101, basic college course. Everybody needs this today. Christianity 101 because some didn't get it the first time. The Green Bay Packers are the only team in the NFL not owned by a corporation. They're independently owned by a community of fans. They do not have a dome. They play in all the elements. They claim they're never going to change it. And if you wanted season tickets for every home game at Green Bay, you would have had to apply back in 1988 to wait for an opening. Because only four places have come open since then. There are 7,000 buyers in front of you who want home season tickets. Their fans are called cheeseheads. They paint themselves in green and yellow. They sit out in frigid weather, in snow, in ice, because they are real fans. And no matter the cold or the severity, the real fans show up. They don't want to lose their seat. And I'm saying to you, if you're really a follower... You just don't hit, skip, and miss church. It's a priority. Your week is planned around it. Well, I've got this coming up, and then it's the week, weekend, but you know what? We need to fix that because we're going to be in church on Sunday. It's not just another choice among choices on the weekend. I've got nothing better to do. I'll go to church. But your life and family are vitally connected to the local church, which is your window to heaven. That's what Jacob said when he saw Bethel, when the angels were ascending and descending. This is what Jacob said. He said, I am naming this place house of God, which means this is where, listen, this is where there is an open heaven over my family. I'm so glad my parents raised me to not miss church for any simple reason. Followers of Jesus want to hear what he has to say. I want to know what the Lord's saying. That's one reason we gather on Sunday, to hear from his word through one of the gifts of five that he has given to the church for the building up of the church. Number five, followers, fans, memorize statistics. 
They know the batting averages of their team players. They know how many RBIs any one given starter has. They know about the sport that they care about the most, how many home runs that player has hit, what position he plays, what their ERA is, how many touchdowns they've thrown this season, how many yards per carry, how many points per game in the playoffs. If they follow golf, they know the average length of the drive off of the tee. They just know stuff like that because followers memorize statistics. Isn't it amazing that our children can barely quote three scriptures? They know the scores of their video games. They know the lyrics to everything that Hollywood has produced, but know very few scriptures. They really don't know much of God's word. So many in churches don't know the true all-time champion, Jesus Christ. Wow. And that ought to be the statistic we know the most about. Since you're going to spend forever looking at him on the throne, might want to know a little bit about him before you show up forever. And some of these others that are here for a year or t- season or two or three and gone, you may never see again. Number six, followers and fans pay. Go ahead and you can breathe now. Go ahead, take a breath. Did he just say what I think he said? Yes, I did. Followers, fans, pay. Really? Christianity 101. You don't show up at the stadium and say, I'm a fan, let me in. It doesn't happen. And ticket prices increase every year. When my dad attended the Super Bowls, a ticket might cost him $200. Last year, some people paid $10,000 for a seat at the Super Bowl. Yeah, really. What's the hot dog at the stadium costing you these days? Huh? How much? Are you serious? How much for a bottle of water? $5. And you go here because you're thirsty, right? Peanuts. How much does a bag cost now? Three fifty for a bag. Here, you don't sit. That's good. You see what I said? He's got all the statistics. You don't sit in the parking lot complaining. You're not out in the parking lot complaining about it. Those football players, look at all the money they're making. Look what that baseball player gets every year. No, you're a fan. You're glad you're there. I've got tickets. I've got a seat. I'm glad I'm here. Isn't it something a server in the restaurant will get 15 to 20% tip? Jesus wants only 10%, and so many won't even give him that. I am a follower of Jesus and the local church. I'm enthusiastic about the kingdom of God and its work. I'm enthusiastic about world missions. I'm enthusiastic about the global kingdom of God. Don't tell me you're a follower of Jesus if you don't give to the work of God. Because hear the words of Jesus himself. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. True fans pay and they don't whine about it. They don't complain. They are thrilled to be there. For God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. Now, I don't give so I won't go to hell. That's not going to help me just because I'm giving to keep me out of hell. I'm going to be kept out of hell because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
My giving has nothing to do with where I end up. But I pay my tithe. And I don't ask you to do something I don't do. Because I'm a follower of the gospel message. I'm a follower of the one who wants all to come to repentance. Like Jesus, I desire to see people go to heaven. I desire to see them praying at the altar. Families restored. Marriages well. Children filled with the Holy Spirit. Students being called into the ministry. Followers, fans can't help themselves. They're glad to be at the game. Is anybody glad you're in the game today? They're all in. Number seven. Followers and fans are vocal. I appreciate various styles of worship, differing styles of music. There's some I prefer more than others, but I, I'm glad for any kind of music that gives glory to the Lord. My text says, lift your voices, you Pentecostals. Well, no, I guess it didn't say that, did it? No, it says, everyone, everyone, oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout to God with the voice of triumph. In other words, be vocal. Ted Turner is the largest landowner in America. On one of his ranches, he has 60,000 acres. Think of that. He is the largest owner of bison in America. He has a trophy room where he keeps his America's Cup because one of his yachts won that race. He has owned businesses like CNN. He has owned the Atlanta Braves. He has beautiful mansions everywhere. Let me teach you something. The word Jesus says, this is their portion. In other words, they have their reward. And let me teach you something from this principle. The word says, everybody is going to heaven. Everybody. But not everyone is going to stay in heaven. Okay? We will all stand before the judgment of God, all of us. The righteous and the wicked will stand before God. Everyone will appear in heaven, but not everyone will stay in heaven. When the rewards start being passed out in heaven, People like Ted Turner, and I pray he is born again and turns his life to Jesus before time runs out. I pray he makes it to heaven. I'm not his judge, but I'll use him as an example. Bill Gates as well. Both of them are very wealthy. They can buy just about anything and everything they want in life. But as they stand before God, they're going to look at the saint of God on that day when that saint receives his or her robe, his or her crown his or her mansion, his or her eternal rewards. And they're going to say, I wish I had what they have. I would love to have one of those robes. I would love to be acknowledged and let into this great place. When Moses came down off the mountain, the word says, there was a shout of mastery among the people. There's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. So he's making a contrast with those who are party time, and creating a problem in those who shout for mastery. And the word says there is a shout when you use your voice like a weapon. There's a shout that brings you mastery over your opponents. When the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to the children of Israel, the word says they shouted with a great shout, and the Philistines heard it 
and feared and trembled, and the earth shook. The enemy knew, oh no, the people of God have their shout because they know the presence of God is with them. Are you vocal or are you silent for God? When we come to the house of God, listen to me, we need to enter in on the first song from our hearts and worship God with joy, not lockjaw. Not just standing there with a bad attitude and a critical spirit. Remember, you're here to worship the King. It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about, are you in love with Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. Eternity will be very noisy. Hell will be noisy. Jesus said there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth when those who have stood before God are told, you refused my son. I don't know you. Depart from me. It's going to get really noisy. Heaven's going to be very noisy. The trumpet of God will be heard. There will be a roaring sound of praise and worship. The voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Wow. It's going to be noisy. The word says when we arrive in heaven, angels will be singing and praising. You're going to get to see loved ones. You're going to see your new home. You're going to get to join with the worshipers. And all of creation will be worshiping. Even earth right now is under the curse and is groaning. And when earth groans, tornadoes and earthquakes erupt. Because of sin, even the earth has been plagued by the fall of the human race. The atmosphere is affected by the curse of our sin. But it will be free as we are going to be free. And the curse will have lifted not only off of us, but off of earth as well. All of creation will be freed. The lion will lie down with the lamb. The curse will be broken forever. And everything that has breath will praise God with a grateful heart. Because no more curse. That's going to get noisy. There'll be a shout of thanksgiving when that burden's lifted. And as his follower, he's calling you to high praise, to refuse to come in and participate in the ritual of church. Well, I, I put my time in today. But to come before him, closing your eyes to everything but him, and to lift your voice to Jesus alone, your hands lifted to him, Lifted in blessing and honor for all he's done for you. Your heart totally belonging to him. Your heart enthusiastic and passionate about him because he is your redeemer and you worship him with all your heart because you realize if that had not happened in your life, you'd be one branded for hell. But because Jesus has intersected your life and you responded, you now have your debt paid. Your sin is canceled, and you're going to make it into the kingdom. You see, 
true followers arrive early, endure weather, want the best seat in the house, never miss a game. They memorize statistics. They pay, and they're vocal. Do I have some followers of Jesus in here today? Do I have anybody that loves to follow Jesus in here today? Well, you ought to stand up and make it known. Give him your best praise. Clap your hands. Bless the name of the Lord. And honor him. Thank him. For all he's done. I'm glad I have a place I can come to where the rest of the people join with me. And together we lift our voices. Together we work to make good things happen in our community. Together we bless one another and respect and honor one another because we're part of the same local family. And we give thanks to God who made us who we are because we are discerning of the body of Christ, assembled together with the head, Jesus, the one we worship. And what we get collectively together when the body assembles, we could never get fishing over there in the river by ourselves. What we get from one another collectively connected together and with him is irreplaceable. Thank you, Father. And so encourage one another, the scripture says. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And do it even more as you see the end of days approach. So, Father, we're here in your presence thanking you and praising you.